The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is, beginning of no- is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and the whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. For their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease, without fear of harm. Well, thanks, Joe, and good morning again, everyone. It's a real joy to see you all here this morning. Uh, You might not realise that we started praying for this church about six years ago before we planted Trinity in the South, so it's wonderful to see here many faces that I've missed, but even more exciting to see a number of faces uh, that I don't know who have uh, joined with you here at Trinity Church Unley. I have been thinking about Proverbs for the last three or four months now, And one of my favourite proverbs is this, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool that follows him? That was the eminently wise Obi-Wan Kenobi speaking to Han Solo in uh, Star Wars Episode 4 by the great actor Sir Alec Guinness. We do live in a proverbs-saturated world from many great writers, thinkers, unknown sources and in this case and uh, very predominantly, movie script writers, like 
Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Delivered by Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part 2. In a few short words, Proverbs can really make us think. They can encourage us, rebuke us. We pass judgment on others with them. We teach our kids. We comfort ourselves. We challenge each other. Two wrongs don't make a right. Honesty is the best policy. Actions speak louder than words, but the pen is mightier than the sword. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Fortune favours the brave. There's no such thing as a free lunch, but don't bite the hand that feeds you. You can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, but don't put all your eggs in one basket and certainly don't count your chickens before they hatch. (laughs) The early bird does catch the worm, but a watch pot never boils. Better late than never, though. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Many hands make light work, but too many cooks spoil the broth and all good things come to an end. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One man's trash is another man's treasure. The grass is always greener on the other side. You can't judge a book by its cover, though. Out of sight, out of mind, yet absence makes the heart grow fonder. Good things come to those who wait, but there's no time like the present. Do unto others as you would have them do to do to you. Cleanliness is next to godliness, and if you can't beat them, join them. And if you want something done right, you do have to do it yourself. (laughs) The question is not, will we live by Proverbs, but rather, what kind of Proverbs will we live by and cherish? Welcome to this new four-week Proverbs series, and I would love to get to meet all the people I haven't met yet here. I met a few during uh, the turnaround time, which was great. This series is about treasuring and being shaped by the Proverbs God has collected for us in His Word. And as we get underway, I do want to say a few very quick thank yous. Firstly, to Katie Smith, the former Old Testament lecturer here at Bible College, who gave me the encouragement and confidence uh, to preach on a book that I discovered in my preparation. Most preachers usually run a mile from. And there's, uh, when you get your hands on them, I know the copies have gone this morning, Carl's going to organise a few more, and if you miss them, you can get them emailed during the week. But we put together a booklet Uh, with a daily reading guide uh, for the next five weeks to take you all the way through the book of Proverbs. And for those of you who are meeting in community groups, there's some studies there as well. And even if you're taking a break over winter, I'd encourage you to do uh, those studies perhaps by yourself on the bus uh, or at work on a break during the day. And in there, I've given a few more references to uh, Lindsay Wilson and Graham Goldsworthy, who really helped me get my head around the book of Proverbs. In short, we've put a lot of tools at your disposal for this series and wherever you are presently, I'd commend throwing yourself into this series, trying to be here each week, uh, getting along to your community group if you're uh, in one and if not, uh, just at least have a glance through those studies because we live in a complicated world and we really need God's wisdom to live well in it, navigating the challenges of friendship, work, Forgiveness, alcohol, debt, marriage, using our words wisely, just to name a few of uh, the topics that Proverbs covers. And our goal in this series is simple. It's that you come away absolutely loving the book of Proverbs, thoroughly equipped to use it well for the rest of your days 
and by doing so you might experience great blessing and benefit through all seasons of life, through both the trials and the joys. And that's exactly what Proverbs promises as we get underway in chapter 1. Do open up to page 984 on those black Bibles on your seats if you haven't already and read with me from verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, all are invited by God to develop applied knowledge for living well and to have proverbs actively form our character, help us to understand the world, to teach us its patterns, its truisms, so that we might know how to live well in community together, living the good life in a community marked by justice and fairness. And then in verse 7 we come to one of the most important statements that we need to grasp if we're going to read Proverbs well. Verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's that, important, uh, sorry, it's that important that we're going to spend the next eight days together if you get uh, the reading guides unpacking it and uh, we'll come back next week and continue on uh, uh, just unpacking these first nine chapters which kind of set our worldview for understanding the book of Proverbs. Uh, next week we'll return to the cracking chapters of eight and nine to understand this concept well and then and I would say only then are we ready to really sort of mine the following chapters of Proverbs chapters 10 to 29 and I would suggest it's thoroughly worth the effort because we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs at its core is an optimistic book. I called the series God's Wisdom is Known Because it teaches us, as Goldsworthy puts it, that Proverbs show us that wisdom and life are within our grasp. God has made his wisdom known to us. He's given it to us as a gift. And the human task God lays before us is to choose the course of our lives and to stand with the wise, under God and pursuing goodness rather than with the fool who despises God's wisdom and instruction, causing great injury to themselves and to others. In these opening nine chapters, there are ten speeches from a father to a son, urging the son to embrace wisdom and reject folly. There's also four poems, God's wisdom personified as Lady Wisdom, calling to us. And together these speeches and poems seek to persuade us with great passion and vigour to treasure God's wisdom, to realise its value, its power to actively change our character and therefore our actions and our words. And on the flip side, to show us the horror of what it means to embrace folly, 
seeing its destructive power so that we may have the desire and the character to reject it, taking our stand alongside Lady Wisdom with all who listen to her. So if you don't have your Bibles open in front of you, open uh, up to page 984. As we're going to cover some ground this morning, well beyond uh, just chapter 1, so it'll be important to have it open in front of you. We're going to have a look at not all of them, but just the first of the father-son speeches in verses 8 to 10. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. There's a picture here of a youth living well in light of his parents' teacher, teaching and growing in favour in the sight of others. But it also acknowledges that even those who seek to do good, even those whose parents seek to instruct their kids in wisdom, can be enticed to do evil by the promise of easy material gain, getting all sorts of valuable things through harming the innocent. It's a mistake to say, well, I haven't been kind of tempted to join a gang and roll someone lately, so let's move on. I think chapters 1 to 9 are making much more broadly applicable points, though concrete, through concrete and easy to get examples. Verses 17 to 19 certainly zoom out from the specific to teach the broader lesson, implying, verse 17, that such people are quite stupid. Verse 17, how useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. But also that such ill-gotten gain and easy gain seems so attractive to us when offered, but it simply doesn't deliver. Verse 18, these men lie in wait for their own blood, they ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. So much of what folly and evil promises and it promises a great deal to us when a decision lays before us, only yields distraction. Whether it's big business before an inquiry, a profit built by a factory exploiting the poor, a business partner's fraud being uncovered, the tax man discovering cash-in-hand dealings, the prisoner lamenting choices that promise quick gain, yet only provided slow ruin. Yet in contrast to these shadowy enticements in secret, we see here Lady Wisdom enter the scene, calling out in the public square, verse 20, crying atop from the city gate to the simple, the mockers and the fools. Verse 23, repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I'll make known my teachings. Such great promises offered to those who repent, but also great woe declared upon those who don't. Since verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. And a sharp contrast starts to form, which really unpacks over the whole first nine chapters, between those who repent at wisdom's rebuke and those who don't. Starting verse 32... For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Already at the close of chapter 1, the decision whether we'll reject God's wisdom and be seduced into folly or whether we'll listen to God and follow Him has been set up for us as a life or death decision. Then we turn to the second father and son speech and just listen to the urgency here, the imploring, the effort to persuade being used here at the start of chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. As I've been wrestling with this for the last three or four months, I've actually been quite concerned that our current and future generation's willingness to pay the cost required to understand the fear of the Lord and find real God-given wisdom and knowledge. Let me compare our generations. I want to say up front, these are broad generalisations which I already know in the room there are some wonderful exceptions to. But let me start with our most senior. It's been great this year as you all left and four of our six staff members headed out and we re-employed people and uh, Cam has been doing a great job uh, joining the staff team as our associate pastor. And uh, I've Uh, said to Cam a few times, what's been the highlight of your weeks so far? And Cam has often sort of wandered into the office on a Friday lunchtime after leading our seniors Bible study. It started off as a group Bible study this year between Trinity Church Unley and Trinity Inner South, but it grew so we sort of split it in half. Uh, So the Trinity Inner South half has been meeting and as we got leaders sorted out for that, Cam had been filling in. And Cam would say that those few hours have been the highlight of his week. I'll ask him why and he'll just say, it's just the discussion, the things they talk about. It's very obvious that they've been shaped by the careful study of the Bible week in, week out for decades. And the way they pray and the things they pray about, it's got real depth to it. It's just so encouraging, it's great. And when I said this in the South, of course they all blushed because they're humble and they did try and sidestep the compliment after the service. (laughs) But as a generation, particularly those willing to kind of set aside their preferences and come first church planning with us to Trinity Inner South and then many step up again and come with uh, you to Trinity Church only is a great blessing. These are people who have done the hard work of storing up God's commands, who have applied their hearts to understanding, who have cried out for insight. They've searched for wisdom as as a great treasure and as a result, they know what it means to fear the Lord and they have found the knowledge of God, shaping both their character and their choices.
So move generations with me now to perhaps those with adult kids at the peak of their careers, uh, slightly north of 50 perhaps. Statistically in Australia, there is a massive hole in the church here. Now, as I said, there's some wonderful exceptions here, but by and large, that generation are largely not in churches today. My take on it is that many who still consider themselves Christian but aren't part of a regular church fellowship uh, like this one and meeting up through the week simply feel like, I've heard it all before. What else is there to know? And it's probably partly the fault of many churches being unwilling to teach at depth. So they don't come, they don't grow, and they're no longer searching. Many, not all of course, do come to church occasionally, just want a quick hit and be reminded that we're saved by grace and experience some social value from a church community like this. But that's pretty much it for that generation. As I said, broad generalisation, not necessarily speaking of everyone in the room. Let's move down a generation, grouping together perhaps the young adults with those in their 30s and 40s, kind of working hard to try and establish our place in the world. Some busy with young kids, and it is busy, I get it. We've grown up in the information overload era, hearing everyone's opinions on everything via social media. We don't focus on anything for too long. We have quite an attention deficit. We'd far prefer a six-minute video that tells us what we need to know from Proverbs. And we'd certainly prefer a preacher who would just simply in three dot points tell me what it means to fear the Lord. And grouping all our adults except for our seniors into one basket, we've largely reduced the issue of guidance to a vague, ill-defined sense of God's will where when we pray we seem to be called to do, well, exactly what we just wanted to do in the first place. Instead of paying the cost of the slow, careful and prayerful study of God's Word and having our characters transformed through storing up God's words within us, applying our heart to understanding, crying out to God for wisdom and true insight, searching for it diligently like precious treasure. It is costly for us to learn what it means to fear the Lord and find the knowledge of God. But Lady Wisdom promises to deliver. If we're willing to pay the cost, listen to the great sale job we get here on the benefit of it. God protects the way of his faithful ones, verse 8. We'll understand what is right, just and fair. Every good path, verse 9. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, verse 10. Discretion will protect you, wisdom will save you from all those who would lead us into folly and it will keep us on the paths of the righteous. In short, the reward totally outweighs the cost paid. Jesus, as the wisdom of God in human flesh, makes the exact same point 
And perhaps building on this very passage in Proverbs, in one of his parables, speaks of the immense value of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God and what it means to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, 44, if you're taking notes, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold everything he had and bought that field. It's something we don't often consider, Jesus being the ultimate Proverbs man, the wise man par excellence. We often refer to Jesus, quite rightly, as his role as the ultimate prophet, speaking the very words of God. He is indeed our great high priest, offering the one true perfect sacrifice of his body to death on a cross to pay the sins of all who place their trust in him, which itself is God's greatest wisdom displayed, which so many consider utter foolishness. And we've remembered it here this morning in our meal of remembrance. Jesus is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. We're called to live under his loving rule today. But as I've suggested in the study guides, perhaps at the conclusion of this series, go back and read through one of the Gospels. I was amazed as I did just to see Jesus' words are soaked in the wisdom of Proverbs taking them a step further quite often as the greatest of the wise. So what can we say so far about the fear of the Lord? Well, chapter 1 has shown us it involves rejecting the way of the fool who despises God's wisdom and to listen to wisdom's call to repent. To work out what it means, chapter 2, encourages us in the most persuasive way possible to really apply ourselves to the task. In our pursuit of wisdom, to search for it like treasure if we're to understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then there's one last point, super quick from chapter 3. Start with me from verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all our ways submit to Him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's a humility required to trust God with, from every recess of our hearts and submit all our ways to him. Honouring the Lord with our wealth, verse 10, with our first fruits with a wonderful picture of God's abundant provision for those who do so, whose cups overflow with new wine. But also the humility to submit to God's discipline in our lives when we need it, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Humbly living under God's rule is a key part of what it means to fear the Lord. And there's more in the coming chapters, in the daily reading guides, in the studies, in next week's sermon. And once we get it, knowing the fear of the Lord isn't just the beginning of wisdom. Living under the fear of the Lord, rightly understood, is where we camp out 
It's where we stay. When we stand there with Lady Wisdom as our guide, then we're ready to mine the wisdom of Proverbs 10, chapters 10 to 29, as we read them through and through. As we come across Proverbs on friendship, for example, we'll know how dangerous it is to have foolish friends. You only need to look or ask some of the teenagers in your community here to kind of feel the great tension of that. We'll know the value of what it means to find friends of character strong enough to help us resist the call, the very seductive call of folly. So those proverbs on being a good friend and having good friends will have added weight and depth to them. Same goes even more so on the value of choosing wisely if you're going to be married in life. For those of us who are parents, we get the urging of a father's instruction and a mother's teaching as we raise kids. When it comes to wealth, we'll get that our first priority is to honour God with what he has given us. So those proverbs become very precious to us. Because I want to say it simply cannot be that our seniors' generation is the last generation to grace our earth who search for wisdom like this. There is immense benefit in teaching our youth, our children to do likewise. Yes, it's costly. And yes, I've actually tried very hard not to take my foot off the accelerator this morning and kind of let us all off the hook. Because Proverbs simply would not have it and neither would Jesus. It's a non-negotiable part of following him. But also the rewards are immense. They're beyond compare. That's the message of Proverbs. Please do take the studies and do them. Please make your way through the daily reading guide and get through all of Proverbs in the next five weeks. I have loved doing so over these last few months. And to speak on behalf of Trinity Inner South, many have found great benefit in doing so as well. You might be sitting there thinking, wow, I just walked in this morning. I didn't really realise I was going to be kind of called to pursue wisdom like this. This sounds hard. And I do want to say, yes, if you're considering joining this church, you will find uh, that there's a high bar set. You could find many churches right around Adelaide who won't ask you to pay such a cost to follow Jesus. But who's the greater fool? The fool or the fool that follows him? Let me close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father... We thank you for your wisdom to us in Proverbs. We pray for everyone gathered here today and those listening along online who will join us in the next few weeks that you would really do a powerful work in our hearts by the power of your spirit, that we would come to learn to treasure your wisdom, that we would long to reject folly and embrace Lady Wisdom. And we pray that the fruits of that in our lives, not only in the coming weeks and months, but actually that it would transform the choices that we make for the rest of our lives. And we would experience great blessing from that. That Proverbs would actively form our character. would actively form the community here at Trinity Church Unley. That it would be a great place to come and hear about Jesus, but also a great place to be a follower of Jesus 
living in community together, seeking your wisdom, searching for it like treasure and experiencing the great blessings that Proverbs uh, promises and indeed that you deliver for those who rightly understand what it means to fear you in this world. Something endlessly commended to us as a beautiful thing. So please help us to do that over the coming weeks and we thank you for your word to us this morning in Proverbs. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.